Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Santa Cruz County, uh, Crossroads of Cultures and Commerce. Uh, today, I'm joined by my companions here, Aisa Huerta and Juan Miguel uh, from the county, uh, Santa Cruz County Superintendent's Office. And we're actually reporting from a very special location today, where we are at the Rio Rico Historical Society Museum, the brand new museum that we have uh, here today. Uh, and today, we're joined by three individuals with a very strong connection uh, to the museum. Uh, why don't you introduce e each other? Um, why don't we start here with Chris? Hi, I'm uh, Chris Novak. I'm also vice president and resident geologist for the Rio Rico Historical Society and Museum. I'm Veronica Sainz, and I am a board member and have been with the Rio Rico Historical Society for over two and a half years now. And it, this is an awesome opportunity for us to share with the community the hard work and the enormously rich history that we have here in Rio Rico. So we'd love for you to come visit us and we'll talk a little more about our hours in a minute. Hi, my name is Renee Tossel. I am just a member <laughs> and volunteer uh, archaeologist and I am here to assist uh, Veronica and Chris and the other board members just to uh, see this museum to its full fulfillment and uh, purposes. And that is to uh, try to encourage the community and communities at large to come and visit and learn about the rich history that is presented in this beautiful museum. So we uh, would love for you to come on down and, and check it out. Right on, thank you guys. Uh, well, um, Chris, uh, the first question that we have for you guys is, you know, how did all this get started? What was the genesis of the Rio Rico Historical Society? Could you explain that to us, please? Sure. We started in 2015. Uh, maybe about a half a dozen, dozen guys got together who were past uh, history teachers, uh, people in the Air Force, uh, retirees, uh, getting together and realizing there is a lot of history here starting from uh, Coronado to uh, Kino to uh, Anza to the local po uh, pioneers that moved here, to the ranchers and miners and up till present day Rio Rico. There's a lot of history here. So we decided to let everybody in on it. We decided we made it a, a historical society. We had members every year uh, joining. We, had, we kept growing. Uh, we then became showing tours. We went to historical areas and around the county, and we also uh, developed two monuments, history monuments, that we put together, one over by the uh, old Calabasas town site by the golf course, and the other one is by the VIT building, which is the, the current uh, library here at Rio Rico and the Public Works building. So we put another monument there. So we've been growing steadily. We've, this is our second museum. The first one we had to shut down because of COVID for three years, and now we started up again. And I do invite everybody to come here. When we're located on 1149 West Frontage Road here in Rio Rico, just south of uh, the post office, easy location. And uh, so we've been around since uh, 2015. We've got nearly 100 members right now. Uh, we started with about nine or so, so and, but we do uh, annual tours, historic tours, and every bi-monthly we have uh, historic speakers that come to our general membership meetings who speak on 
various aspects of the history that around Santa Cruz County and other other areas, other topics that would be interested in in, uh, in our area. Wow. Sure. Right. Currently, we're only open Fridays and Saturdays, uh, 11 to 4 here. Uh, but we have our grand opening coming September 15th, and everybody is welcome. We'll have, you know, refreshments. The doors will be open, and we'll have tours of the museum. Uh, and after September 15th, we'll be open Wednesdays through Saturdays, again, at the same hours, 11 to 4 p.m. So everyone is welcome to be here and get a piece of history, and we do have a lot of history here to show. Yeah, we're here just in admiration of uh, this amazing museum. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what is your guys' motivation? Uh, what is what you say is your central motivation in really uh, creating this amazing uh, resource for the community? Well, I, I, I would say essentially to, to preserve, protect, and to show our interesting history here. Basically, we want to make sure it's available for future generations uh, um, we need it we need to exhibit these for the young people for the older people for everyone because it's here to to see visually i think the motivation sometimes uh, comes with that when you become a mature wise person i hope <laughs> you realize when you're young what interests you isn't always the same thing, but once you reach a certain age, it's like such a deep appreciation. I mean, it completely changes. It's almost like a complete shift that says this vast richness that we have is so amazing. How can we possibly not want to share it with as many people as possible? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's very, very important for the people in the community and communities at large to understand the heritage and the rich history that surrounds them. Um, and in that way, they're able to just um, just be intrigued and wanting to explore new uh, modes of learning about the area that they live in. And this museum does just that. It gives them sort of like a, a, a jumping board into a deeper ocean of more thrilling knowledge and and experiences that they probably didn't even know existed around them for years and years and thousands of years for millennia so i think it's just really exciting for them to understand just how significant all of this can be in this community uh here at the rio rico historical society is where we make history visible and accessible. Uh, I think one, one of the things too that um, is really important to me because of my culture, I'm from New Mexico originally, and um, it's not until recently that I valued everything in my backyard. Unfortunately, uh, there were petroglyphs that we would picnic at and as children, it was that was just a place to play. But now when I go back, it's like it's magical in terms of just thinking about the ancestry that's there. What enticed them to leave us messages on the rocks? And what really did those messages mean? And again, that's not something a young person's going to think about that much. But as we 
learned to value and treasure everything that uh, we were provided and did not have a way to appreciate until now. That's a big thing. And again, being able to share it is really, really important at this time. Yeah, and I think that it's a, um, you know, the goal here is really to inspire wonderment and fascination with our surroundings and our cultural heritage. And uh, the collections that you guys here are just incredible. You guys have some amazing artifacts. Can you guys speak to how you, all this kind of came together, the collection here? Yeah, well, most of the collection is privately owned by the members. A lot of it is on loan. Most of it is on loan, and some of it was donated. Then when we, when we had our first, the end of our first museum, we had to give back some of those materials that was on loan to preserve it so it doesn't get lost or stolen or misplaced, whatever. So and the oddball stuff, we put it in storage, like uh, the hardware, the cabinetry, and all the display cabinets. But the items went back to the individual people. So now we, we're, they're coming back out. We're getting more uh, on loan items for display. And we do have security here. Everything is good, so we're we're happy with that. Uh, but all it's all individual through time. Everybody was collecting items here or there, or someone had something. Every once in a while, people will bring in uh, the beginning of Rio Rico, which you know, 52 years ago, it started. They have newsletters or whatever from the sales offices and uh, stuff prior to that. Even uh, artifacts from Kino and Anza area. Uh, people come in, and and the people who originally bought property here in, in Rio Rico, prior to Calab change the name to Calabasas, was um, they came and described how their grandparents bought the property here, and wanted to develop here or leave that property for the grandchildren, which in case they did. Wonderful. Did uh, you want to say anything about addition costs or something like that? Oh, the question was really uh, just to let people know that at this time, we're proud to keep our doors open and invite you without any kind of a, a fee entrance fee. This is free for you. We welcome donations. Clearly, we would welcome any donation or any kind of sponsorship, but it doesn't cost to come in and enjoy and learn. Uh, so uh, that's right now, it's Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and also we give, if you come in, we give free tours. So we go, th we go through all the, all the assets. We have about seven, um, seven chapters here doing Rio Rico geology, the uh, prehistoric Rio Rico, the Arizona Coronado project, mining, ranching, baca float, the produce industry, uh, and modern Rio Rico, and of also the film industry that done a lot of movies here. We also have that information. Uh, uh, we are looking for new members. Anybody's welcome to join. Very inexpensive. Uh, benefits would be you get a newsletter. You, we have our community uh, at the community center. We have our meetings with guest speak, historic guest speakers. And uh, we have, uh, of course, the bus tours where you get discounts and all this, a few other things. It's, uh, it's well worth joining. Yes, please do consider joining us. I'm going to let you know the next big event Chris already mentioned is our uh, grand opening on September 15th. Uh, we will hope to have music and refreshments. 
um, shortly after that, we have a general meeting. And this is really special because uh, this is where we have the speaker series. And on September 19th at 6 p.m. at our community center on Cotamunde, uh, one of our original settlers, Calabasas uh, founders. Uh, Calabasas founders. People don't even know that Rio Rico was Calabasas at yes, one time. That you know. <laughs> so uh, Joseph Knight Wise will be talking about his family history. He was very involved in his family was very involved in building the Santa Rita Hotel, mm -hmm. which was a beautiful, beautiful uh, modern hotel at the time 1886 uh, yes and a model in our and uh, so you'll get to see that in a minute when we just walk through the museum but he is now um he's older we're losing our elders if you want to come and listen to a talk from somebody whose family was a founding father of calabasas this is going to be a great opportunity so we do invite you to to that particular event uh, we have a bus tour on October the 21st. Uh, this one is going to um, go through parts of uh, Nogales and end up at the Saunders Holler uh, Hacienda, which is really, really a special, um, I call that the, the jewel in the crown because it's a uh, hidden treasure there. You will see artifacts from all over the world and uh, in a beautiful, beautiful setting. And it's one of the original uh, homesteads in, in Nogales. And the only reason where you would have access to it is through the tour because it's not open to the public. And one of our members uh, lived at the Saunders Hollers uh, homestead uh, growing up. So that's how we were able to, to uh, negotiate and, and open that to the tour participant. On uh, November the 22nd, we have Re Rebecca Orozco. She's going to be talking about Camp Naco, and this will be a 2 p.m. meeting. And uh, they just recently got, I think, something like $11 million. I mean, it's a huge amount. And she'll be talking about how they're going to be refurbishing Camp Naco and uh, just uh, give us the history of it. This was where the Buffalo Soldiers, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, in, in that whole area. So that's going to be a fascinating talk. So please, if you have an opportunity, again, our speaker series are free. Come join us. We'd love to share what we possibly can about our rich history again. And also, you can get this information on our website. Yes. We're RicoHistoricalSociety.org. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. There's so much going on, uh, kind of in in kind of the the, the movement of the of your grand opening. Uh, that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, I also want to mention that I am planning on joining as a member at the end of this as well. I want to encourage all of our viewers as well. There's what 22,000 people here in Rio Rico. Uh, I think you know it really takes a community um, to to make something beautiful like this amazing uh, community. Uh, backed um, endeavor. Uh, and so I want to encourage everybody out there to really, um, you know, make that donation for what maybe, 
you know, not going to Starbucks five times in a month, uh, you can you can uh, help out here. It's an amazing project, and I want to encourage people to go to the speaker series and also uh, attend the tours uh, as well. One of the things you guys mentioned, kind of in the communication, was like about things that most people don't know. You mentioned that a lot of people don't even know that Rio Rico was once named Calabasas. Um, is there any little treasures uh, here in the museum that you'd like to share with the public to entice them uh, to learn something new? Chris Gover, can you step over and talk about it? Uh, well, he can talk and we'll... we'll, we'll, uh -huh. well we, we do have an unusual fossil here over... It's, the, it's a piece of petrified wood, and it's roughly about 27 million years old. Essentially, it was procured from the Sonoida uh, Creek uh, by a member who donated it to us. Now, the strange thing about it, the oddball thing about it, and knowing about this petrified wood stuff is that what's preserved on it is the bark which is very rarely done on petrified wood it's usually abraded uh, off by flash floods or somehow it doesn't get preserved through silica and most of the, uh and the 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 uh, i believe that this tree uh was is part of the sequoia family it's my educated guess what it is i haven't totally identified it, but that's my guess because of the bark. Now, 27 million years ago, Rio Rico was just north of the equator, so we had a nice warm uh, uh, rain and weather and temperature here for the sequoias to grow uh, profusely. And uh, the inside of the, tr uh, the fossil, you could see the tree rings in it, and it's also colored. Uh, orange and yellow, and that's probably from the limonite that was uh, in the ground, the iron oxide, uh, and also, uh, um, and, but it's a rare find, and everybody's welcome to come and see it. Wonderful. How about you, Veronica? What's your favorite? Uh... You know, it's, it's, I have so many, yeah. but I would like to share with people something that probably they don't know, but we also have a Calabasas Cemetery. And that is part of our tour in the spring. And we would love for you to come uh, visit that with us. Uh, it's been uh, a hard uh, struggle to, to keep it maintained and so on. But many of our early settlers are buried there. People don't even know it's there. Military. Uh, the military. So that to me was a real treasure as well. It was a surprise. I mean, when I... I thought well, I drive the freeway all the time, and it's off as I go towards Nogales. It's right to the left, and it's like, why didn't I know that? Well, that's because we didn't have the historical society promoting it at that time, and now we know about it, and we'd love for people to be able to go there, uh, pay their respects, and just again be in awe of the people that came here, settled here, yeah. lived, and died. So right that's on. one of my favorites. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. I think the, my favorite and probably most personal for me is the Arizona Coronado Project, uh, led by director Denny Seymour. Uh, both Christopher and I spent some time working with her in many different ways. Um, but what's significant about it is to think that actually Coronado had an encampment, a via, which is a, like a small town. Um, and it uh, was significant because the Sobipari Indians, who are the ancestors of the Otham people, actually had a battle uh, and won 
pushed the Spanish out of the encampment. And to think that, you know, uh, ancestors with not much technological, uh, you know, tools and things like that. I mean, they did have tools, right? But I'm saying weapons and, and that sort of thing. We're able to defeat, you know, a Spanish group and push them out for 150 years. They did not return for another 150 years. And that's not too far away from this area. No. And it's so exciting to think that we've, and as Chris has mentioned, you know, many, many artifacts have come out. What the most impressive being the wall cannon. Uh, which was just huge, was 42 inches, 54 millimeter. 80, 80 millimeter and 32 pounds. So. And it's just huge. And, um, you Solid know, bronze. to sit on top of a buttress of a fort and just fire it. You know, they had some pretty intense weaponry, and yet the Sobipri were able to defeat them. Yeah. So it's really neat. So, uh, and that's this area right well, here. One cool thing about that is that uh, while we were excavating over there digging around, uh, we actually found the crossbow arrowhead or a bolt head adjacent to the subipery arrowheads. So there, there was a pattern where they, they fought the battle. Uh, so it was a battle, which I call it a revolution, American Revolution here, where between the natives and non-natives. Uh -huh. And the natives won. They won the first revolutionary battle here in Santa Cruz County. And that was 1541. Yeah, that was 1541, way before my time. <laughs> yeah, certainly uh, history changing, at least uh, history changing for the United States. It yeah. would be the oldest European settlement in what's now the contiguous 48 states. It likely will be because San Augustine was 15 years later. Correct. Wow. And this one would have been 15 years prior to St. Augustine being settled. Wow. The the level of history that we have here in the greater Rio Rico area is just astounding uh, as well. Um, is there anything else about the um, about the museum here that you think is very important for the public to know? The diorama. Well, well we, we do. We have the diorama of the Calabasas town site from 1886 with the railroads uh, initially coming through. Of course, with the Santa Rita Hotel, which was the biggest hotel between Denver and uh, and San Francisco, they had furniture in there, imported soda imported from Boston, solid walnut. It was the first hotel out here in West that had actually uh, gas lighting and electrical doorbells and stuff to signal to people. And uh, I don't know how big it was, but then Colonel Sykes. yeah, well Colonel Sykes started it, and the Weiss family lived in there. Who's going to be our guest speaker in September. So there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of, yeah, exactly. A lot of good stuff to learn, to know about it. It's right here in our backyard. All of this is in our backyard. Mm -hmm. Please join us. And when and why was the hotel um, torn down? Oh, oh, well, it was, well, they built a city, they built a city uh, roughly during the weekends that Calabasas village was about 1600 people on the weekends, and that included gunslingers, ranchers, miners, and railroad people, and local people. Uh, during the week, there was probably maybe a thousand people living here. Now, what happened is not all the railroads decided to come through, only the one, the Mexico-Arizona uh, Railroad, from Benson to Calabasas, and then eventually went down to Nogales to go to Wyman's. But anyway, uh, the idea was that this was going to be a hub that would be greater in size than Tucson is today with the three railroads coming in. 
And plus we have a lot of mining and ranching activity here and Atlanta mines were rich. So there was a lot of wealth going around. So what happened is the Baca floats, uh, it was a land grant given to Luis Maria Baca from uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico. So the, the king gave him 500,000 acres of land. But he had two caveats in that. You can't have it where there's mineral because the mineral belongs to the king. And you can't have it where there's population. Now there's Indian villages all over, you know, white people villages all over. So they had to move it around. You can't have one big blob of land. So they made five parcels or five floats from that 500,000, each one 100,000 acres. One is in Colorado, two in New Mexico, two in Arizona. And, and the, ours, the one we're living in, Rio Rico, Santa Cruz County, is Baca float number three. So when it went into litigation, who owns it, who, you know, the heirs wanted it, they took it to the Supreme Court and they won. The heirs won. The about the about the, they own the land grant, so that means everybody living here who built a home, outbuildings, ranches, corrals have livestock, they're squatters, they have to be ex evicted by the Supreme Court. Marshals came and evicted everybody out, and that included everybody in the Santa Rita Hotel. The heirs developed that. Santa Rita Hotel into a hay barn. What happens to hay barns? Spontaneous combustion. <laughs> they burn down. Okay. Okay. Now, there was a little repeat with the people who were evicted that you could buy your property back. You give the money to the heirs, whatever it was worth, or the government will give you land around near Buckeye. Who wants to go to Buckeye? Right? I don't think anybody wants yeah. to go to Buckeye. So you either leave or you buy back and you start all over. Irregardless if you had 30 years here and you built all your outbuildings, your home, corrals, everything, it did not belong to you because you were a squatter. So anyway, we uh, years ago we went looking for the foundation of the Santa Rita Hotel. We had some old maps, all this. We metal detected, we found a few artifacts. We had a spoons that said Santa Rita Hotel on it. We found the kitchen utensils, uh, some other some other items that we had them on display um, from Santa Rita Hotel, but we could never find the actual foundation, which still exists. When they built the golf course, bulldozers came and moved everything around mm -hmm. and buried, reburied, restructured it or whatever, but we're we have an idea where it's at, but we haven't exactly located the uh, the foundation. Someday we will. And an interesting note: the early town of Calabasas was quite the crazy town. Um, they said that it was more likely to die of a gunshot in Calabasas than it was in Tombstone. So it was quite a rowdy young town. So, so what did the Tombstone epitaph call Calabasas? The town of hell on wheels. <laughs> did, uh, did you guys have any questions for our friends over at the Rio Rico? No? No? Uh-huh. But, uh, okay. Well, I think that's a fascinating uh, uh, kind of a story to leave off on.
I mean, essentially, this museum is giving you the tools to get to know your home here in Rio Rico. A fascinating stories that you would not know unless you came here and learned it directly from you guys or from the artifacts that you have on display here. So I just want to give my, my commending uh, for all that you guys have accomplished. This is really something else. It really takes a community and really people with a drive and a force behind them to, to accomplish something at yeah. this level. Uh, so our hats off to you. Uh, I want to extend an invitation uh, to our, our viewership. Uh, come down to the frontage road Friday and Saturday. Come meet with these wonderful people and learn about your home here in Rio Rico. That said, I want to thank you for watching this edition of Santa Cruz County Crossroads of Cultures and Commerce. I'm Alex Lapierre, your host, and we'll join. We'll see you next time. Thank you.